This episode of The Labor of Love is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code REALSIMPLE at checkout to get 10% off. of Love, a podcast about marriage, family, and making peace with the people we live with. I'm Lori Leibovich, editor of RealSimple.com. The rise of social media has impacted the lives of teenage girls to an alarming degree. It's created new sexual norms, standardized risky behaviors like sending nude photos, spurred sexual harassment online, and is hindering teenagers' ability to develop basic communication skills. These are just some of the conclusions found in journalist Nancy Jo Sale's powerful new book, American Girls, Social Media and the Secret Lives of Teenagers, which is filled with intimate interviews that Sales conducted with more than 200 girls from around the country. Hi, Nancy Jo. Thanks so much for being here today. Hi. Thank you. So I wanted to get some background first on how you reported this book. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about the variety of girls you spoke to, what parts of the country they were from, their socioeconomic backgrounds? I went to 10 states, including Florida, California, New York State, Arizona, Indiana. I spoke to girls who were black, white, Latina, Native American, Indian. I spoke to them in all kinds of different situations, sometimes with parents there, sometimes with not. They were ages 13 to 19. I spoke to girls who were, you know, from very affluent families, then literally a homeless girl, and everything in between. Girls who had everything in a material sense and girls who really had nothing. What was striking to me is you mentioned the the range of girls that you spoke to, both geographically, socioeconomically, racially, and yet there were some through lines that they all seemed to touch on in terms of how they were dealing, or in some cases not dealing very well, with the rise of social media and the impact it was having on their lives. Could you talk uh, to the listeners a bit about what those through lines were? What were the themes that you kept hearing again and again? The through lines... I think what can only be called sexism and even misogyny. And this was something I was not prepared to see or hear or, you know, I I didn't know the level of, say, for example, sexual harassment that occurs on social media for girls. Can you give us a couple of examples of how that manifests, you know, what you heard from the girls about how they were harassed? Yeah, well, it can be anything from comments on pictures that are sexualized. You know, and I I kind of in the book compare what would be seen as catcalling in the street is normalized as acceptable kind of a social gesture on social media to say, for example, hot or, you know, nice this or nice that or even say slut or something like that. It's sort of considered in a kind of weird and I think unfortunate way a compliment. I was just going to say, in terms of the catcalling analogy, what struck me was that, not that catcalls are anything but, you know, a way of harassing women in real life, but there seems to be even more license online to be cruder, to be more vocal, even about what you're looking at and what you're seeing and what you like or what you don't like when you have 
the screen mitigating that, you know, interaction. So so as to say that I think that the the way that the catcalling happens online is even in some ways, I think, more damaging than in person. I agree with that. Screens are a big factor throughout this conversation. I mean, the screens are always there because we're talking about social media and the way that a screen releases inhibitions, and there's many studies on this, the way a screen even promotes aggressive behavior or even unethical behavior, that's always a factor in all of these issues that we'll be talking about. The screen is a different experience than face-to-face, and that's just a fact. Another thing that struck me as I was reading your book is I was thinking about my own adolescence many, many years ago and how complicated it was to be a teenage girl in the 80s, um, where the only technology I had was a telephone that was plugged into a wall, and that was limited by my parents in terms of when I could use it. And you kind of, when you are reading your book and you're thinking about all of the ways in which girls are... They're, they're having the same sort of issues and emotional upheavals that adolescent girls have had for millennia, and yet it's all broadcast and it's all out there. And it's really terrifying, frankly, as a parent to think about all the decisions I might have made as a teenager that would probably have been magnified and be really, that were stupid as they were, but to be in a situation where everything you do is kind of recorded or could go viral, I think that scares a lot of parents. And I think sometimes the fear we have about it is, you know, turns to paralysis and we feel a little bit out of our league because we didn't grow up like this and there are no textbooks for what's happening right now. What would you, that was a long way of saying, what is your, after spending time in the world of teenage girls and social media, what what do you want all parents to know and what should they be looking for? It's true. Girls are vulnerable to making mistakes in public. They know that, right? They know that. So there's this other pressure, which is on them all the time to not make a mistake on social media. In fact, but still to continually be engaged in it because that's where their culture is happening. That's where their life is happening. In fact, girls in the book say to me, it's so dangerous to do anything wrong, you know, and not only meaning like send a new picture and have it screenshotted and showed to the entire school, which happens too. And that's horrible. But just even to not post the right kind of picture. Mm -hmm. In other words, to not be perfect. What parents have to do is recognize that this is a new reality and it's a different reality and that it's not something that your teenager goes on, it doesn't go on to social media and it's just like some kind of, you know, playground attached to a school that's like safe in <laughs> right. some way. It's the place where people are exhibiting behaviors that are not necessarily healthy. And I'm hoping that if you read the book and you're a parent, you will see that and hopefully that you will, number one, First step, we have to become more involved as parents in in social media culture and and hopefully changing it. It's not immutable. It's something we can change by exerting our will to change it upon it. 
I'd finally decided that it's time that I make a website for myself. I've been in digital media for many, many years, and I do not have one of my own. And so when I was researching where I would go to do that, given the fact that I have almost zero technical skills, but I love good design, I went straight to Squarespace. So I haven't finished it yet, but so far it's been easy to navigate. I love all the choices I have for colors and designs, and I'm really excited actually to get it done and up and out into the world because I think it's gonna reflect me perfectly. So everyone stay tuned. When my professional looking and designed website is up, I will let everyone know. If you're interested in trying Squarespace, now is a great time to do it. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. And if you decide to sign up for Squarespace, please make sure to use the offer code real simple to get 10% off your first purchase. Nancy, you mentioned something uh, that I wanted to get more into, which was the emotional fallout from girls being on social media and having this pressure that you write about very eloquently and that the girls talk about very eloquently, the pressure to always be hot and be on. What is this doing to girls' emotional lives and what can parents do to try to combat this? you know, any of these negative effects? Well, I mean, this pressure to be quote-unquote hot is widespread. It's not uh, something that I, is a big revelation in the book. I mean, I think many people have have noticed more sexualized wardrobe or behavior among younger and younger kids. I mean, there's been other books written about that in particular. Sure. You know, one called Too Sexy Too Soon. So we've all noticed this is happening. What my book explores is how this is playing out on social media and being exacerbated by social media through the pressure to constantly produce images of oneself that are also hot or sexualized in order to get likes and followers and friends. The effects of all this on girls are enormous and anxiety, depression, cutting, eating disorders, these are all things that have been linked to sexualization. Um, Cognitive dysfunction. That was the one that really opened my eyes. In other words, if you have so much pressure on you to think about being hot all the time, it's harder to think. So one of the things that came across to me in the book was that the girls, they actually, they understand that that social media creates problems and tensions and struggles for them. And yet most of them feel that it's impossible to not be a part of it, both because, from what I gleaned, both because that would sort of eliminate their social lives if they were not on social media, but also there's this addictive quality to it that once you start, you can't really not participate. Did you sense that addiction that these girls really had a lot of problems not participating because of what it would mean for them socially and and also maybe they couldn't get off of it. It's addictive because I think because weirdly it's ego boosting and ego destroying at the same time it seems like and that becomes this addiction because you you constantly feel chipped away at, at the same time as you feel like well I'll go back there because that's the place where I'll build it up again. One of the girls that you interviewed she said that she and her friends sent sexualized photos 
for one reason and one reason only. And she said to get likes because everything's about the likes. Kind of sums it up. Yeah, that's the addictive thing too. But you want to get likes, but it's not, you want to get them why, you know, you want to get them because it means you're popular. You're succeeding in some weird way on social media. The same way when boys play video games, they feel like they're succeeding through uh, scoring. And likes is similar, I think, for girls on, on pictures, especially of themselves. But at the same time, it involves this sort of weird dance of self-esteem and, and destroying self-esteem. When you're in adolescence, that's the time you're understanding how to be a person in the world and how to have relationships and what a give and take looks like in a relationship. If that isn't happening in real life and if it just is happening with likes and emojis, that doesn't bode very well for our kids' futures, I don't think. How can parents help their kids integrate into real life while not feeling like they're going to kind of disappear socially if they do that sometimes? Well, I mean, again, it goes back to role modeling. I think all parents need to check themselves as well and see what they're doing with their phones. A mother of a three-year-old told me recently, uh, she had read my book, and she said, I felt so bad because it was on my phone, and my three-year-old said to me, Mommy, talk to me, when she was on the phone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a lot of parents of young children can relate to that because it's this moment when you realize, oh, wow, I am here with my kid, but I'm not. So I think there's role modeling. You have to sort of um, take into account your own behavior and how it looks to your child. That's one thing. I talk in the book about also posting about your kids. There was just a study like the other day yeah, about how, how kids are really uncomfortable with their parents posting about them without asking. So I think there are ways that we're sort of promoting the culture maybe without even realizing it and, and telegraphing to our daughters like, Likes are really important. You know, so if you're going to have a conversation with them about how their self-worth doesn't depend on likes, it might be good to start and wonder if you're not... Perpetuating it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes. But it's a question of starting the conversation. Nancy Jo Sales, thank you so much for being on The Labor of Love today. It was great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining me today on The Labor of Love. If you have a domestic quandary and would like to be a guest on our show, or if there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please email us at tlolpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank our editor, Tim Einenkel, and our producer, Kristen Meisner. If you enjoyed the episode, please review and subscribe on iTunes, where you'll also find three more podcasts from Real Simple. You can subscribe to The Labor of Love at iTunes.com slash Panoply or at Panoply.fm. I'll see you next time on The Labor of Love. Thank you.